Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hello. If you enjoy this podcast series, please consider supporting it via Patreon. You can visit patreon.com slash probably true. Normally I wouldn't ask, but it's this or I start paying the bills by slipping in references to accounting software. And even I'm not enough of a tart to need a spreadsheet for my sex life yet. So yeah, patreon.com slash probably true or click on the banner at probablytruepodcast.com. Thanks. You're listening to the award-winning Probably True. Please be aware that this podcast may contain strong language and adult themes. It would be boring otherwise. It's been a couple of weeks since I did one of these, hasn't it? Probably shouldn't have left it hanging on an episode about death either. Talk about tempting fate. Still, I'm not dead. Yet. So, here we are. The first week I had off was actually just a hangover. I was hoping it was going to be one of those power through it and you'll be fine kind of things, but it turned into more of a lurk in bed and wank yourself into a coma hangover. You know, the kind that wipes out a whole day. Last weekend, though, I was actually busy. I was at a queer film festival in Cardiff called The Iris Prize. It's an annual thing and I go every year and watch a ton of LGBTQ movies and do lasting damage to my liver at their networking events. It might sound like just an excuse to get heavily drunk and try to kiss pretty filmmakers, but that's because you've got your mind stuck in the gutter and you ought to be ashamed. Because there's also the films that you watch while you're trying to get over both the crippling hangover and the enormous feeling of awkwardness when the one you tried to kiss last night turns up with the random tart he went home with instead of you. For example, I'm not saying that happened, just that it could possibly have might have happened to someone I knew. Anyway. So yeah, queer film festivals. When I told my minion at work that I was taking a week off to go to a film festival, he said, Why do gay people need their own film festival? For films any good, then it'll get into a normal festival? So firstly, I had to bend him over my knee and spank him for saying normal when he went straight, because that is not cool. Also, he's 23 and he's got an arse like a racehorse, so any excuse, really. Anyway, while I was reddening his cheeks, I started thinking about why queer film festivals are actually quite important. First off, it's a safe space for us to tell our stories. You know, queer cinema isn't just coming out stories. I mean, it is coming out stories, but it's also everything else. You know, love, tragedy, betrayal, comedy, blah, 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 cockshots, sweaty sex, all that kind of thing. The whole human experience through the eyes of queer filmmakers. And maybe it seems stupid that we need that kind of thing, but movies with same-sex couples in the lead roles are still a very new thing, even if the things they're dealing with during the film are entirely humdrum and everyday. For example, the new Star Trek series has a gay couple in it. We know this because there's a scene where they clean their teeth together and talk about issues on the ship. That's it. Although, to be honest, that is pretty astounding in itself. Talking to someone while cleaning your teeth... Even on my own, I usually end up dripping white foam all over the sink. If I was trying to talk to someone at the same time, I'd end up drowning myself in it. To be honest, I think that might be the biggest technological innovation I've seen on TV. 
not warp drive or transporters, just finding a way to clean your teeth that doesn't mean there's a good chance you're going to have to change your t-shirt in a minute. Because that stuff never washes out. It might seem like it's gone, but give it ten minutes to dry and then suddenly it's there for everyone to see, as if you've just noshed off the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man. What was I talking about? (laughs) Oh yeah, gays on Star Trek, obviously. But yeah, they just talk. And not even anything like, fire your photon torpedoes right on my face, big boy, or anything like that either. Just boring, well, not boring, but like, plot talk. It's not, hey, isn't it great bumming on the starship, or anything like that. But from the number of headlines that were generated just by the existence and acknowledgement of these two gay characters by the writers, you'd think that there was a graphic scene of them landing in each other's shuttle bays or something. So, yeah, part of queer film is just normalising the queer experience, being able to say, hey, look, we're people too. We do all the same things straight people do, only slightly more stylishly. And also we have all this additional shit to deal with because of society having a thing about who we love. But mainly, we're people too. And this might not seem like it's a big deal, but it really is. There's a historical example here that I learnt quite recently that I really like. In 1957, the Wolfenden Report was presented to UK Parliament recommending that homosexuality be decriminalised. At that time, as through quite a lot of history, being a homo was punishable by imprisonment for gross indecency and unnatural acts. Personally, I find a good hard unnatural act first thing in the morning sets me up for the whole day, but maybe that's just me. Anyway... In fact, being homosexual was so shocking that even when the Wolfenden Committee was discussing their recommendations and their findings, they didn't use the word homosexual for fear of offending the women who were taking the minutes and recording everything. There was a tin of biscuits made by Huntley and Palmer on the table in the room where the committee were. You know, like tea and coffee and all that kind of thing. So they referred to gay men as Huntleys whenever the female stenographer was in the room. I'm not making this up. That's a real thing that actually happened. And, you know, I know what I'm like during meetings. I've been trying to stick as many Huntleys in my mouth as possible. Although more than two at a time makes it difficult to breathe. It's the same with biscuits, I imagine. So, anyway, the report came out recommending that consensual acts between two men in private probably shouldn't count as a crime that could land you in jail. Fucking shocking, right? So the report was presented to Parliament and completely ignored. Every single politician ignored it because they were afraid that supporting it would ruin their career. Of course, this is in the bad old days when politicians would put their own interests above those of their constituents. It's a good job we don't live in a world like that anymore, isn't it? A few years later, in 1961, a film called Victim was made, starring Dirk Bogard as a successful, happily married lawyer who gets blackmailed for being a homo and his life is ruined. The film was flatly refused classification, so it couldn't get like a PG or a 15 or an 18 certificate or anything like that, either in the UK or in the US, meaning it couldn't be shown to the public because the subject material was too shocking. Spoiler alert, the guy isn't even gay. There's no bumming scene or spicy cockshot or anything. He's just blackmailed by someone who threatens to ruin his life by saying that he's a big woofter. There's no gay relationship in the movie. It's literally banned for acknowledging the fact that gay was a thing. And there was a concern that this would cause an outcry from the public if the film was released. Anyway, the film got shown in London regardless, because fuck you, we'll do what we want. And it turned out there was outrage and shock. But plot twist, it went the other way. The public shock and outrage was more along the lines of, why is this still a thing? Except this was the olden days, so it was probably a bit more, surely not, old chap. Might be uh, time for a bit of a rethink, what? And by 1967, ten years after the original report, being gay was partially decriminalised by a parliament if you did it in your own house behind closed doors with two consenting adults. 
I'm oversimplifying the whole thing, of course. There were plenty of other factors involved in the decriminalisation process, but this film was definitely an important part of the shift in the cultural consciousness that being gay wasn't a bad thing. So yeah, in that 50 years since then, what a long way we've come. But before we start getting too complacent, I want to look again at Star Trek, if only because there's no way that Spock's ears were the only things getting pointy between missions on that ship. This time, let's look at the last two movies, because... I'm a massive nerd, and it helps my point, so shush. One of them opens with a devastating terrorist attack on London, and then later crashes a starship into San Francisco. Oh, that's a bit of a spoiler, anyway. Um, and the other one has characters being shot, blown up, thrown out of airlocks, and impaled, and all sorts. But both were deemed acceptable for anyone over the age of 12 to watch. And yet, one second's worth of footage showing Sulu greeting his husband with a kiss on the cheek, but literally one second's worth of footage had to be edited out of the US release for fear of offending its audience. And this, by the way, is the same movie that showed a character screaming as she was torn apart on screen by tiny robots. So, however far we've come, mainstream movies are much more comfortable showing us violence and destruction and death and explosions than they are two men sharing an emotion that doesn't involve using their fists. Oh, that was a badly worded sentence. Moving on. So, yeah, it's important that we have the space to tell these stories. And it's not as if they're boring, you know, oh, you've heard one coming out story, you've heard them all. No, this year at the festival, among a bajillion other movies that I watched, I saw a story about a 65-year-old man accidentally becoming a drag queen, a lesbian lucha libre wrestler, and some really fucked up Icelandic horror thing that even now makes me want to check under my bed before I go to sleep. So it's not as if queer storytellers can't keep it fresh. And it's not just the stories on screen that make festivals fun. There's all the stuff happening around the films, like drinking with a young Middle Eastern filmmaker for a week, who by the end of it was in such a fragile and hungover state that he burst into tears in the middle of Starbucks. When we finally got him outside and calmed him down, it turned out it was because he got served by a handsome ginger barista and he didn't know how to deal with someone so exotic and beautiful. Or there's that time someone got really drunk and ended up having sex with a guy in a centurion costume on the sofa in the club. Or there's that time I met a handsome filmmaker and kissed his face and ended up travelling thousands of miles to see him again. But that one's a story for another time. But as well as telling these stories, it's important for us to hear them too. I remember being about 15 and going to see Beautiful Thing with a friend and having my mind blown because it wasn't just me stuck in a tiny town in Yorkshire. Well, I was still stuck in a tiny, tiny town in Yorkshire, but suddenly I wasn't alone anymore. There are all these other people out there with stories like me. I mean, I didn't have their soundtrack or casting or flattering lighting, but still, the hope and the excitement and the connection to something a bit bigger felt by this young lad from a little town in Yorkshire was profound and incredibly moving. So, you know, it's not just about telling the story, it's about having the stories heard that's important. I'm just glad I got to have films like Beautiful Thing and Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, when I was coming out. If they'd all been a bit more like that Icelandic horror, I'd probably have just gone back in again. This was Probably True, the award-winning storytelling series written and produced by me, the award-winning Scott Flashheart. If you liked what you've heard, you could share it with your friends, leave a positive iTunes review, and sign up at probablytruepodcast.com. If you didn't like it, you can find me on Twitter as UnlikelyLad. Come at me, bro. Patreon.com forward slash probably true. Just uh, gonna leave that there.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 